Peloton's best offer of the season is here. Get up to $300 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. Choose from a variety of accessories, like our cycling shoes, a heart rate monitor, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. This limited-time offer ends November 28th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer starts November 14th and ends November 28th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. High Desert Radio is brought to you in part by Eurozone Food Distributors. Established in 2009, Eurozone Food Distributors is dedicated to providing the widest range of European food options to New Mexico, including foods from Poland, Romania, Spain, and many others. Located at 3700 Osuna Road Northeast on the southwest corner of Osuna and Academy Parkway in the Osuna Business Center, Eurozone Food Distributors, online at eurozonefoodsnm.com. Welcome to Chai Desert Radio, the voice of the Jewish Federation of New Mexico. This edition features an insightful discussion between Dr. Marvin Gottlieb, John Sondager, and Randy Neal about the evolving relationship between Christians and Jews, how both communities envision that relationship continuing to develop into the future, and what role Israel has played in enhancing this interfaith partnership. We also touch on the important and powerful work of Christians United for Israel, known as KUFI, to enhance Christian understanding of the Jewish people and to bolster support of the State of Israel and its causes. Before we get started, a few words about our participants in today's discussion. Dr. Marvin Gottlieb is the President of the Jewish Federation of New Mexico, and he is a past program chair for the National Council of Christians and Jews. John Sondager is a licensed attorney in New Mexico who's practiced law for 38 years. He's been a board member of the Jewish Community Center in Albuquerque for 11 years. He's been a national speaker for Christians in support of Israel and spoke at an international conference in Israel on Christian reconciliation with Jews. In 2006, Pastor John Hagee invited Randy Neal to become KUFI's first full-time grassroots organizer. Randy came to the organization with over a decade of experience in educating Christians about the biblical mandate to support Israel, the history of Christian anti-Semitism, and political activism in the faith community. And now, to our discussion. Uh, first of all, I, I'd like to thank you, uh, John and Randy, for agreeing to participate uh, in this project. One of the things that been of primary interest, um, certainly to the Jewish community, is the growth of dialogue and collaboration between uh, our two communities, the Christian and Jewish communities. And this dialogue, of course, has major significance for the world, um, definitely for our constituents, and of course for Israel. Um, I, I, I think that Hopefully, this will lead to a greater understanding uh, of the uh, Christian community's interest in Israel. And uh, we would also like to discuss uh, KUFI's mission, and by extension, um, how that translates into embracing the Jewish people. Uh, so I'd like to begin with a question about KUFI. Uh, I understand it was established uh, over 10 years ago. Can you provide our listeners with an overview of 
what generated the need for this organization and KUFI's mission and goal? Yes, yes, I will. Uh, this is Randy Neal. I'm the Western Regional Coordinator for Christians United for Israel, and uh, it's an honor to be on this program. Uh, I have to say that uh, in the 13 Western states that I cover, uh, New Mexico is, is by far one of the strongest as far as uh, the Christian and Jewish relationships go and, and uh, working partnerships, uh, and and that is in no small part uh, thanks to the, the work and efforts of uh, John and Susie Sandager with, uh, with just everything that they've been able to do on the grassroots local level there, working with the Federation as well. And, and uh, uh, you're correct, we are, uh, we're in our 11th year. Uh, we were founded in February of 2006 with uh, 412 members, and today we just, we just turned the corner at 3.6 million members. We're the largest pro-Israel organization in the country. Oh, and uh, though we're 11 years old, we, you know, we were really uh, birthed more than three decades ago when, when our founder and national chair, Pastor John Hakey, uh, as he tells the story, he, he went to Israel as a tourist and he came back as a Zionist. And he felt a burden to... Um, to do something tangible and relevant for the Jewish people, but he just didn't know what that would be. And uh, that that presented itself when Israel did the preemptive strike on the Iraqi nuclear reactor. And international media was criticizing Israel, called it gunboat diplomacy. And Pastor Hagee just took a step back and, and he thought, this tiny nation just took nuclear weapons out of the hands of a maniacal dictator. And, and he thought that that Israel had done the world a favor. So he decided he rented the convention center in San Antonio and uh, went on, you know, he was going to do a, a, basically an evening of solidarity with their choir and orchestra to just send a message to the local Jewish community and hopefully to the nation of Israel that, uh, that they did indeed have friends in the Christian community. And as soon as the press release uh, went public, uh, the phone at the church rang, voice on the other end said, Hagee will be dead by Friday. They shot out the windows in his car. Uh, his wife, Diana, said, you know, we didn't take a class on this in seminary. And, and uh, he said, look, we're going to keep our word to the Jewish community. We're going to do this one event, and we're going to close that book and move on. It's just a single event. It was not the kickoff of an organization or even an annual event. It was a one-time response to an international incident. And uh, the night of the event, a bomb threat was phoned in that the security detachment took seriously enough to start evacuating the building. And that was kind of the line in the sand. Pastor Hagee doesn't manipulate very well. And uh, and he just said, you know what, if that's how these anti-Semites feel about this, we'll do it every year until they get used to it. And it, people were flying from all over the country to San Antonio to see what this looked like with this, you know, the nature of this event. And they were replicating it all over the country, Bakersfield, California, and Orlando, Florida, and Houston. And it became very uh, clear that the Christian community, you know, wanted a vehicle where they could, you know, lock arms together and corporately have a have a, a, a more tangible impact. And so, um, so CUFI was, you know, was was born. And uh, we are, you know, we're doing our best to keep up with it. It's growing in leaps and bounds. Our campus division is perhaps one of the most relevant things we do. We're, we're going to hit the 400 campus mark with uh, student leaders on campuses trying to level the playing field to make sure that Israel's fairly and accurately portrayed on, on our college campuses. 
and we just uh, were about to bring uh, break the 700 mark on on bringing uh, hundreds of pastors to Israel to have that life changing uh, experience where they can see and experience Israel firsthand, and, and when they hear those blood libel allegations that it's an apartheid state or that it's a racist state, they can they can respond with their own authority from their firsthand experience, and it's uh, that has proven to be a game changer for us, uh, and. And actually, uh, uh, that segues in that I'm about to uh, bring uh, 30 pastors from New Mexico. Uh, virtually the entire trip will be pastors from New Mexico, and they're going to have this this experience of being inoculated against the uh, the, the absolute horrendous uh, anti-Israel narrative that they'll be uh, exposed to. But they'll be equipped on how to how to respond and squelch it. That that's that's an absolutely. Uh amazing story of, uh, of growth and, and commitment. Uh, I, I know um, when I um, got involved in interfaith uh, work uh, many years ago, uh, we were sort of a select community. I mean, uh, there, there weren't a lot of people who were engaged in that, uh, which leads me to my next question, which is, how would you compare this dynamic uh, that we're experiencing today with 25 or 30 years ago? Has it changed? Um, do you feel we're becoming closer? Um, what are some of the factors that contributed to this positive evolution? Uh, John, did you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, I think my Jewish friends have taught me a term, beshert meaning meant to be, God-ordained, however you translate it. And Kufi, I think, was there at the right time, at the right place, in the hearts and minds of the Christian community, because, and I'll, I'll use Christianese terms now, I think there's been a calling, a stirring, I would almost like to use the word revival, of interest, genuine interest in Israel and her people. Um, the whole world became aware of Israel, the nation, and was, I think, for the most part, the United States, very, very sympathetic and understanding and supportive. But it went beyond that because Christians who are, we believe, Bible believers, along with the Jews have been called people of the book, you can't read the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, or the New Testament without seeing Israel all over it and the Jewish people and God's relationship with the Jewish people. So we as Christians believe that we are, we're grafted into that. We, we came out of Judaism, not out of Hinduism or Buddhism or Islam, but it's a part of our DNA, in a sense, our spiritual DNA. And I think there was a stirring of, of uh, I would say, God himself bringing this together, and then along comes Kufi, which gave them the vehicle to express and learn and grow. Uh, in Albuquerque, we started an organization, very loose organization, called Yad Biyad, which is Hebrew for hand in hand, uh, before there was a Kufi. Uh, and it was because there was an interest amongst, started with my wife and I, Susie, about learning more about Israel. And we brought Christians together and supported some Israel causes that we could support. Hadassah Hospital in Jerusalem was one. And and we brought in Jewish speakers because we realized there was a hunger for understanding our Jewish roots and understanding the Jewish people that we worked with and went to school with and, and so on and so forth. And so what happened is that that grew as we had Jewish speakers. They felt like they were comfortable with us and we were comfortable with them. 
And so it grew into an organization of Christians and Jews coming together. And I, I would be honest to say there are certain issues we don't agree on, generally speaking, but we, there's a lot of issues we do agree on, uh, not just Israel, but primarily Israel. And so it's, it's a whole movement that has no logical explanation, to tell you the truth, and logical human explanation, but rather I think it's a part of a natural movement that has been raised up. And um, I think an important thing is it's not an abstract thing of Israel and nation or this far, this country that's, I've been there 12 times and it's a long airplane ride away. It's more about the people and our Jewish friends that have become real friends. And, and it's taken a long time because the Jews in our area, Albuquerque, I think are reasonably representative of Jews around the world, especially the United States where um, they would have skepticism and uh, concern. What, what are the motives of this new friendship of Christians and Jews? Right, yeah. That, because, yeah, yeah because that historically... That was leading me to the, the, the next question, which was, you know, it's fairly obvious that there are uh, geographic connections between the uh, Christian community and the Jewish community because of Christianity's most holy sites are there. But um, there... Uh, there is uh, some some question about the affinity with the Jewish people themselves. That that, uh, that I think that's where you were going. Yeah, I, and I I think I would be very honest to say that there is a logical, reasonable, um, practical question on Jews as to why Christians are nice to them because historically we weren't that that terrible. Were two words, Jew, uh, Christian anti-Semitism, which is deplorable, but it's it's a part of real history, which, by the way, Christians don't know about. They, we've we've tore those out of our history books somehow. But nonetheless, so anytime a Jew was approached by a Christian in a nice manner, oftentimes and probably predominantly, it was to convert them. So I'll be nice to you, Mr. Jew, if you'll become a Christian, and if you won't, then I'm going to walk away from you. And that's no basis for friendship or relationship or communication. And I think Christians have realized that we, we don't need to go there. We can respect each other. And as the Jews of this community in Albuquerque and New Mexico, after observing and being, being critical analysis, which is fair, I think they've seen, no, it is an honest relationship of wanting to learn about each other, again, because we have this foundational of spiritual affinity. That's my answer. Right. You know, uh, Dr. Marvin, I, I think I'd like to kind of underscore what John just said, because I, I can I can point to uh, just sort of dates, actually, that, that, that go right to the heart of your question. You know, you asked you know, 25, 30 years ago, as opposed to today. Well, 30 years ago, after that event that I just described at the convention center and people flying in to try to learn how to replicate it, Pastor Hagee uh, did a three-day conference. He invited 30 of what you could argue to be generals in the Christian community, people that owned publishing companies and broadcasting companies and oversaw you know, a number of different seminaries. These are guys that had armies beneath them and you know, had the bandwidth to take a hill. And he brought them to San Antonio. And on day one, when they broke for lunch, he unveiled a dynamic of this would-be organization that was absolutely foreign to 
Christian paradigm of thought, and that is that these this would be an event-driven organization, and these events are not church services. They will be by design and without exception non-conversionary to the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. They broke for lunch, 29 of the 30, called their office, said, get me an earlier flight home. I want nothing to do with an organization like this. Wow. Fast forward to fast forward to 2005, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad was asking the world to imagine itself without Zionism and America, and Pastor Hagee was you know, made some calls to some of his friends, and they said, yeah, it's time to try it again. And this time he invited 412 uh, leaders, and these on their own dime this time, and, and braced his family and staff that it that uh, that it'd be like a hornet's nest when they got to that non-conversionary dynamic again, and uh, and when they unveiled it, uh, you could have heard a pin drop, and they said, "We're you know we're here to ask you how many of you will join us five months in Washington D.C. to send a message to our elected officials that it's not just their Jewish constituents that want to guard U.S.'s relations," and all 400 hands went up. So just it was a sea change from just three decades earlier. Where, and I think that in that time, as John, as John touched on, I think in, during that time, at least I saw in my circles that there was an epiphany that Christians were having about the Jewish roots of their Christian faith, the Jewishness of Jesus. You know, Jesus wasn't a Christian. Mary wasn't a Catholic. John wasn't a Baptist. They're all Jews, and and and. You know, Christians began to connect those dots and have a much greater reverence, respect, and appreciation for the Jewish roots of the Christian faith and understanding Judaism, and and in turn uh, trying to befriend uh, you know members in the Jewish community to, to uh, try to foster genuine relationship. That's uh, that, that's really terrific movement uh, over the last um, three decades, and of course to everybody's advantage. Uh, I'm just curious about um, maybe on a on a more personal level, what are some of the things that you've learned about the Jewish people through your work uh, on Israel's behalf and this dialogue uh, uh, with the Jewish community? I would have to say, from the Jewish community, the compassion, moral clarity, the healing, the the world, trying to leave the world a better place than you know than than the one you inherited, is something that just is as um, a constant uh, throughout the community. And then to kind of add that, you know, to expand that question as to about Israel, uh, the same answer plus just the resiliency, the absolute refusal to uh, succumb to terrorism and to uh, you know if they're going to if the pizza. Uh, a pizza parlor gets bombed. Guess where we're going to have lunch tomorrow? There's right. the absolute resilience to uh, to not, you know, let the let evil win and to, uh, to to stand on their moral high ground. Right. As this dialogue continues uh, between our communities, uh, are there some aspects of Judaism and uh, the Jewish community and the way it functions that uh, you feel you could benefit from a deeper understanding? Uh, how, how can the Jewish community help you increase your knowledge in this regard? I think they're doing everything they can by being honest and open. And, uh, you know, Marvin, I, I really appreciate the word dialogue 
but that's so sterile a word. That's to me like uh, people getting on a stage and having a, a forum or something. Mm. And very honestly, there have been dialogues between denominations for years, but I'll use a good example of, of a heart check. When the first intifada came, or when the boycott, divestiture, sanction came, some of those same denominations within Christendom turned their back on Israel and called them apartheid. And uh, I think not that the evangelicals are any better than any other people or group or denomination, but they're the ones, the the real Bible-seeking people that went to Jerusalem, and, and Israel saw that. Israel saw evangelicals coming in the first intifada and second intifada in spite of the, the risks. And it wasn't just a dialogue which was superficial. It was a real genuine interest. And that's, I guess, a little <laughs> inexplicable still. But I think that as we get to know each other as people, um, not just co-workers, uh, I'm an attorney by profession, and I've practiced in law firms, and, and I have lots of friends who are Jewish lawyers or Jewish this and that. But we've gone beyond the separation and gone to what is what do we have in common? And we have a lot in common, uh, uh, an enormous amount. I, I find that outside of just the religious-slash-spiritual spectrum, we also share a lot of the um, tikkun olam, to heal the world. Uh, I, although an awful lot of Christians would be probably more conservative, right-leaning, and I hate those labels, but um, we all share the same beliefs that, um, as the commandments say, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself, well, I think the Jews have been a tremendous teacher and mentor is what it means to really love your neighbor as yourself. So I think we appreciate more and more as we get to know each other more and more what we do have in common, and I think there's an enormous respect. Um, again, we're going to disagree with some of the positions that that uh, maybe perhaps, again, quote, liberal Jew may take, but there's far more things that we can agree on. So it's it's been a lot of uh, there's been a brick wall between us and i think slowly over the years the kufis and and more than not just the kufis the individuals have been tearing down those bricks and it takes the jewish people to pull down the bricks too because um it takes both sides to create a real friendship right and and certainly i know uh, here in new mexico we know your community uh, walks the walk for sure Members of the Christian community have, uh, in many ways, fully engaged with Jewish organizations. And certainly, as an example, John, uh, you have served on the board of the JCC for many years, and your lovely wife, Susie, is currently serving on the board of the Jewish Federation. Thank you. One of the things I wanted to say where this relationship developed years ago, because we started to trust each other and were open, and I think the Jews understood, we got a call from um, the head of the Anti-Defamation League, I don't have to, Susan Seligman, and she was very concerned because some of our students at the church I attend were overzealous in their evangelism and approached some Jewish young people at the local Albuquerque Academy and were disrespectful, inappropriate, and just out of line when it came to talking to them about Christianity she had the confidence to call us about this. And I then went to our student pastor and explained the situation, educated our people, 
And that only happens because she trusted me to take that in the right vein and know that I would try and do something about it. That was after years of learning to trust each other, and and I'm not going to be afraid to say it, learn to love each other. Right, right. And and, and as I say, you've demonstrated certainly uh, your commitment to, to both what we're talking about and, and uh, for the involvement with the Jewish community. I, I, I'm wondering, if we turn that around, what opportunities might there be for members of the Jewish community to become more involved in Christian community organizations? I mean, is that, uh, is that an option? Is that a, is that a way to increase this connection in some way? I think we're stronger together. I think, uh, you know, again, Christian Jewish for Israel is, you know, it, it is, it largely accomplishes uh, what it does and, and moves the needle uh, with events as a, as a vehicle. And those, those, those meetings and gatherings uh, and the relationships that are born out of them just are richer, you know, as, as we partner together with try to come together to convey solidarity you know, I, I, I'm afraid you. I'm not going to like the way this is going to sound, but in, in the horrific display of anti-Semitism and racism that we saw in Charlotte, you know, Charlottesville, Virginia, there were pro-Israel organizations that felt compelled that they had to issue a press release denouncing anti-Semitism. And, and if you think about it, if you take a step back, it's absolutely ludicrous that a pro-Israel organization mm-hmm. would have to publicly state that they condemn anti-Semitism. So we, you know, we decided we're not going to issue a press release. We're going to go to Charlottesville and, and next week we're, we're going to be doing a seminar with a Holocaust survivor that's going to bring a very sobering message that we've heard rhetoric like this before. Nobody took it seriously and, uh, and try to just, you know, try to really bring it to the need and, and the, the, the churches in that community are rallying around it. And it'll be the first time for many Christian leaders there uh, to really start understanding the history that John mentioned and that I, that I spoke of, and and uh, learning that we, you know, we can't rewrite our history. We've got, you know, we Christians spent 1,700 plus years building a pretty formidable wall of fear and mistrust, and we're just now trying to chip away at it. We can't rewrite it, but we are mobilizing our peers to uh, change the trend uh, so that history doesn't repeat itself. One of the things I think the Jews can do is be willing to come to Christian events that are non-offensive and and appropriate. For example, at our church, uh, we've had a a Jewish speaker. He wasn't Messianic, and we we don't go there. Uh, And we allowed him to use our our forum, and the house was packed with Jews and Christians. And that's what Yad Biyad does. Uh, I had in my own Sunday school class, I teach an adult Sunday school class. It's a large class, about 150. And I had a former rabbi, uh, Rob Paul Citron from Albuquerque, speak to my class. And I had to make sure that my um, admin, my management, I'm an elder in the church, so I was one of them, but made sure that they understood that he's not trying to convert us to Judaism, but rather just to help us understand we were studying in the Tanakh, the festivals of Judaism, which Christians find just beautiful and uh um, there's a lot of people that are returning to their Jewish roots, sometimes inappropriately, because we're not Jews, but again, trying to understand our heritage. And I think when Jews are, it's difficult for a Jew to go to a Baptist church or a XYZ church. It's, it's uncomfortable. And it's also uncomfortable for Christians to go to a synagogue. 
I remember the first time I went to the synagogue, I didn't, didn't know what to expect. And I was impressed by the solemnity and the reverence and so on and so forth. It was a wonderful experience. But it, it took a person to invite me. So I think that's a part of it. You can have national organizations which are wonderful, but it gets down to a friend inviting a friend to go to the synagogue, go to a church, or hear a good speaker that they know will be fair and, and un, uh, unoffensive to either party. Uh, just in the vein of what John was speaking about, you know, I've seen, you know, people try to approach this and they're trying, you know, they're they're looking at what they can do to build a bridge or to, to you know, have a standing appointment for coffee. Or I know pastors that went on a trip five years ago and we had rabbis on the trip. And to this day, years later, they still get together uh, every other Friday uh, and, and, and the uh, and they teach out of both the Hebrew and Greek uh, scriptures each other to what, what it means to them and the, and the relationships that are born are are amazing. But I would say for all of the Jewish listeners of this program, you know, when you invite a Christian to have Shabbat dinner in your home, and when you know when when they when they look at what ha- what really transpires at a, at a Shabbat, when when and I've often said that if if the Christian community could embrace and emulate a Shabbat type of dinner, the, the, the fabric of this nation would be virtually bulletproof, you know, where, where they, they see their father give thanks to the Lord. They see their father bless their mom. Each child receives a blessing from their father. No Game Boys are on, no cell phones are on, unless you're, if you're not in the emergency room, you're at the dinner table. And uh, that just, that just lays a, a, such a strong foundation that is sorely lacking in the Christian community, and that would, uh, and uh, to me, I, when I when we bring pastors to Israel, that's when that that invariably is the high point of the entire trip is having having dinner in in, in someone's home and being taught what those different you know traditions and and steps in the in a Shabbat dinner represent and mean, and and uh, they come back changed, and it's uh, I just. Just would throw that out there that if there's folks that uh, want to extend that olive branch, uh, I think that you, I think you'd yeah, be encouraged and, uh, by how how deeply it impacts. I, I hope some of our uh, our listeners will will definitely take you up on that. That that's a relatively simple thing to do, and it seems like uh, it uh, can have a lot of benefits for both. And as we look down the line and envision the future. What what are some of the obstacles and challenges that you you see going forward? I guess what I'm asking is, what does success look like, right? If 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 this mission, if Kufi's mission, if um, Federation's mission, uh, if we achieve what we want to achieve, what what does it look like out there? What what kind of a world do we have? Small question. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a beautiful world. I think um, I am deeply, deeply disturbed what has happened to our country because of the political um, environment, the division between us. And it almost reminds me of the Jewish-Christian split of distrust and anger, and you could almost call it anti-ism, anti uh, anti-liberalism, anti-conservatism to the point of of just disingenuous for our whole nation. And I think we, we learned from the Jews that we just don't agree on some things. 
but that doesn't mean we can't be friendly and learn from each other and, and study the things that are in common. And I, I used to attend a Torah study at a local congregation, and it was fascinating. Of course, we studied the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, but just being in a room and having a cup of coffee with 10, 15 people and a rabbi and, and, and studying the commonality of, of, of the Old Testament. The Old Testament for us, we call it the Old Testament. I prefer to call it the Tanakh, is, is our foundation. And it's, it's ripe and, and full of, of expressions of, of where God is leading all of us, Jew or Gentile alike. So I think, I personally think that the spiritual basis is important, and that will grow from that to friendship because we can understand each other on a very important foundational basis. Right. I, um, I agree. I, 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 would, I would say the answer, my answer to that, that question is... Uh, is really the millennial, the Joshua generation. You know, we uh, if if they don't, you know, we can't press the baton into their hand. They they've got to see the value. They've got you know they they have to be able to rise to leadership and and they're in a you know they're in an environment uh, uh, that's that is just ever uh, more challenging. Where it's uh, you know based you know narratives are out of opinions and and often without facts to base them on. And so, so we are, I believe that we all, uh, you know, need to prioritize investing in that next generation and, and making sure that they're equipped and inoculated. And, uh, you know, the learning institutions have shifted gears from the place where kids are taught how to think to where they're taught what to think. And, and, uh, your UNM right there in Albuquerque, uh, is enjoys a fairly infamous, uh, you know, reputation as being on the short list when it comes to anti-Semitic or anti-Israel events, and so right, uh, right. no, no more important community in the country to uh, to, to really roll up our sleeves and, and try to address and confront that than uh, than, than right there. And so, uh, so I just I, I would say the answer would be just trying to make sure that we're not preaching to the choir, that to make sure that we are that we're bringing those young men and women that deserve to be invested in and, and uh, holding up their arms and putting our hand in the small of their backs so that they can uh, be encouraged to move forward and and, uh, and, and take their campuses back. Right. And uh, I'd like to end with a New Mexico question since we are originating uh, this program from uh, New Mexico. And here in New Mexico, we have a unique mixture of cultural backgrounds and uh, um, interestingly enough, New Mexico is also a major trading partner with Israel. Are there ways our collective communities could leverage our collaboration more to improve the cultural climate and understanding of New Mexicans in particular? You know, there's a movement, uh, and it's raised its head on your campus and in, in other parts of the community. There's a movement to to encourage people to boycott uh Israeli products and divest, you know, any companies that do business with Israel and try to try to bring sanctions against Israel and this BDS movement. And I, I think the whatever platform this program can be used for or to get the word out is to just the the you know the water challenges that you have in New Mexico that Israel has the identical challenges and they've already solved them. Just so much technology. You know, I was at a dairy farm in southeast New Mexico, 
that was state-of-the-art cutting-edge technology, uh, makes it one of the highest producing dairy regions in the country. All Israeli technology, you know, just the, the, the everyone's benefiting from Israeli technology without even knowing it. And so I just, I, uh, I think New Mexico is a shining example of, uh, of, of the benefits of, of partnering and, and exchanging with Israel. And I know John can, I know John can, can add way more to that than, than, you know, than somebody that doesn't live there. It's been beautiful to see some things. I, I have a TV show on a Christian station called Israel in Focus, and I've had several different people, primarily from Israel, but also Jews and from local. And one of my favorite ones was this group of people that were coming over to visit the Navajo Nation and teach them about um, water usage. The Jews, I, it's almost going back, and I don't mean to be sacrilegious, it's almost going back to Moses striking the rock and water coming out. They've, they've figured out how to get water from no place. And, you know, it takes one nasty anti-Semite to create problems, but it takes one loving Jew and Christian to overcome that. And again, I, I can't tell you how proud I am of Kufi, but it, Kufi is made up of people. It's all this 3,500,000 or whatever it is, people. And those people, each heart has been changed and is being changed and Kufi can't change hearts, but people can. And I think that's the future of our Christian-Jewish relations, is each one of us being willing to say, I really want to try. And there's some obstacles to overcome, but let's just try. And back to the United States, let's try to agree. Let's try. We're not going to agree on everything, but as a rabbi told me one time, we can agree to disagree agreeably. And uh, I think that's important. So I think that's it's it's a one-on-one thing in many ways. Uh, national things can happen. We can get a whole bunch of people come together at UNM and stand beside our brothers and sisters in Judaism. But when you leave those rallies, you're going to meet somebody. And every time I go to Israel, I feel I'm more enriched, not because I've seen a, a Christian shrine, but because I've met a new person that I consider to be a new friend. And, and that's the foundation, I think, of of our hopeful future. Well, well, well said. That's a wonderful way to wrap things up, and I, I just uh, want you both to know how appreciative um, certainly I am uh, and, uh, and speaking for the Jewish Federation of New Mexico uh, for your participation in this event, and uh, uh, we look forward to continuing the conversation, and hopefully we will all make that uh, that future together. Shalom, shalom. Shalom, shalom. Thank you. Thanks for letting us be a guest. That's it for this edition of High Desert Radio. Thanks so much for listening. High Desert Radio is the voice of the Jewish Federation of New Mexico. Remember, in order for us to continue providing quality programs like High Desert Radio and to continue our work in service to Jewish seniors, Holocaust survivors, low-income families, children, young professionals, Israel, and more, the Jewish Federation of New Mexico relies entirely on the generosity of listeners like you. Make your contribution today to jewishnewmexico.org. Remember, you can subscribe to this series on iTunes and be sure to visit us at jewishnewmexico.org. Till next time, for High Desert Radio, I'm David Wolf.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.